Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Well, I'm speaking this morning on the subject, What Shall I Do With Jesus? Matthew chapter 27. <coughs> Beginning at verse 11, and we'll read through verse 26. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? He answered him, To never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called the Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have ye nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto him, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let us unite together in a moment of prayer. Now, Father, we are thankful that we can come this morning into this, your sanctuary, place of worship where our hearts and minds can be separated from all the concerns of our personal lives, where all the worries and the problems, the distractions depart from us now. We might concentrate upon your truth. We thank you, Lord, for each person present. 
know that we have all come for the purpose of praising you. If there be any in this congregation who are not Christian, in that they have not personally accepted you as their Savior, as their Lord, today would be a time of decision for them. Take the word that we preach, the scripture that we read, and now apply it to our hearts. We ask it in Christ's name. Thursday night of the Passion Week, the last week that Jesus was, was upon earth, was a terribly rigorous night. He had gone out to Gethsemane for the purpose of praying. And with him, his disciples. He had them wait while he went a little further and prayed, and while he did that, they all went to sleep. Amongst them was Peter, who shortly before this had promised the Lord that he would never leave him nor forsake him. Jesus said to Peter, before this night is over, Peter, you will have denied me three times. The traitor in the group had already left the group. He is coming now into the garden late at night with 600 soldiers. They had their torches to light the way, and I can imagine that Judas was in the front of the group. As they come over a little hill and see down below this little group of men, he says to the leader of the soldiers, see that group down there? The one that I kiss, he will be the one that you should arrest. They take him bound as a common criminal. They take him to the house of the former high priest, Annas, for trial, and then over to the house of Caiaphas, or Caiaphas, the reigning high priest, for more trial, as Peter and some of the others stand around the fires outside, a little girl approaches Peter and says, you're one of his, aren't you? Before that, Evening had passed, and the rooster crowed early in the morning. He had three times said, I don't know the man, and the last time he swore. Now we find him standing in front of Pilate very early Friday morning. 
Historians tell us it was probably about 5 o'clock in the morning. They probably got Pilate out of bed. They brought Jesus to the Roman governor for the purpose of getting him to pronounce execution. For the Sanhedrin did not have lawfully the right to execute. And I can imagine Pilate being awakened out of his sleep and coming outside his palace because the Jews would not go inside for fear of being contaminated by being in the house of a Gentile. And he comes out to Sanhedrin and the others that were following and sees before him what he conceives to be nothing more than a common criminal, whose hands were bound, who obviously had suffered severely the hands of his persecutors. And he simply says, what's the charge? What accusation do you make? Initially, they say, well, if he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Sarcastically, they would have responded. So John tells us they did Luke then gives us, finally, the charges that they were willing to admit. And in the 23rd chapter of Luke, he tells us that the Sanhedrin made two charges. One, that he refused to pay taxes. And secondly, that he claimed to be a king. Nowhere in their accusation did they accuse him before Pilate of being an imposter or a blasphemer, which was their real concern. They could not accept him as the Messiah. He surely was not the expected Savior. He therefore was an imposter pretending to be the Son of God. They could not accept that, but Pilate would not listen to that kind of accusation, so they made two that they thought might have some means of standing up in his court. But we know that the scripture tells us very emphatically that Jesus taught that all people should adhere to the government. As a matter of fact, he said to pay taxes to whom taxes were due. That to whom Caesar would pay to Caesar what was due him, but pay to God what was due him. They charged him with being a king, but he had advocated all throughout his ministry that his kingdom was not like Pilate's, nor Caesar, not a military man at all, his kingdom was not even of this world. And here he stands before Pilate and they throw these two charges at him. And I've always found it rather odd that Pilate never even responded to the charge of not paying the taxes. He ignored that charge completely. 
He did, however, latch on to the charge about being a king. He said to Jesus, Are you a king? Jesus made a very quick response. Thou sayest. That's all. In other words, yes. But my kingdom is not of this world we find in other places, he said. Listen, the Lord is the king. He is that indeed. But he's not only a king. This person whom we have come to honor today, and whose resurrection we will honor next Sunday, is the Savior. Without him, there is no salvation. Without Jesus Christ in the heart of a person, there is no heaven. There is no security for eternity. He is Lord. The scripture tells us, Meaning that he is not only our Savior, but he is the one who reigns supreme in our life. He is the one to whom we respond, from whom we receive instructions, and for whose honor that we work. Please also judge. And men will, at some point in time, either in this life or in the life beyond, Stand before him as judge. And hear the word spoken, blessed. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, or depart. I never did know you. But listen, every man, woman, and child who has ever come into this world will stand before his person and give an account of his life. Isn't it strange that this individual is standing now before Pilate with his hands bound and being charged with a crime that the Sanhedrin thought was worthy of death? God on trial? Can man be so foolish to believe that he has the power to be in judgment over God himself, the very creator of the world? Our Christmas story tells us that the birth of Jesus was God incarnate but is God in the person of man in fleshly form in our midst. And here he was, standing now condemned for what he claimed to be. The scripture says, you didn't say a word. Verse 12, that scripture that we read said that when he was accused by the chief priests, the elders, he made no response. 
You know, any man, at least most, all women, if being accused before a judge will present some defense, the first thing that we attempt to do is to deny the charges and say we are innocent, and every judge will give every person an opportunity to say, how do you plead? And the man may plead innocent, or he may plead guilty. Almost never does anybody stand before a judge and admit his guilt, but will claim, I'm innocent. Great men in our government, from the presidency on down, have stood and claimed to be innocent, only to later to have to admit that they lied about their innocence, they were indeed guilty. But he makes no claims of being innocent. No counter-charges does he make. Never did he say, it's somebody else's fault. You know, in the judgment before the Lord as judge, many people will stand there and say, it's somebody else's fault, it's not mine. Well, Isaiah prophesied that he would stand down before his accusers. Chapter 53, verse 7, many hundreds of years before it happened, Isaiah said, he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened out his mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. So much so did he stand there silent that Pilate was amazed and Pilate shouted back at him, Don't you hear what these people are saying against you? He never said a word, even in response to that. Pilate is getting unnerved. He doesn't know what to do. He sees before him a man standing, and that's all he sees is a man, who is innocent of the charges being made, who ought to go free. And yet, the power of this body of, quote, religious people are putting so much pressure on him that he doesn't know what to do. He's sitting now on his on his judgment seat on the throne, getting ready to, to pass judgment. And his wife sends him word. And his wife says, have nothing to do with this just man. For I had a dream tonight. When I've given the revelation of that total dream, she had suffered many things in her dream because of him. So Pilate begins to look to, for a way out, and he conceives of an idea. 
In that day, a criminal was released at the feast of the Passover. They would take one out of jail that the, the uh, governor would decide and release him. Pardon him. We sometimes have our governors do that. This was a day of execution. Tomorrow, Friday, the day now that we're talking about, three men were going to die out on Calvary's Hill. Three criminals. One criminal's name was Barabbas. The three men were sitting in death row, waiting to be led out to the hill for execution. Barabbas was one of the worst men that they had known in that time. He probably couldn't hold a candle to some of the men that we've had in our day and time. So he says to the people, who, who would you that I release unto you? And then he gave them the choice, I'll release Jesus or I'll release Barabbas. His mind said they'll ask for Jesus because they won't want this criminal released into their midst. Isn't it strange that people will accept the worst of mankind and turn upon the best that God has ever offered? That's exactly what they did. We're still doing it today. They said, release Barabbas. He still didn't want to do it. And he asks that awesome question that's the title of the message this morning. What then shall I do with Jesus? And the people said, let him die. We don't care. Execute him. Crucify him. And die he did. But not because the people wanted it. Not because Pilate agreed to it. But because it was foreordained of God from the beginning, even before the foundation of the world, that Jesus Christ would die in order that others would not have to. And Pilate says... Well, in that case, I'm going to wash my hands of the whole affair. He called for a bowl of water and brought it out, and he ceremonially, in front of that entire crowd of people, washed his hands and said, I will have nothing more to do with this situation. You see to it. And do you know the people answered and said, May this man's blood be upon us and our children, and it has been that way. The Jewish people who asked for his execution has suffered tremendously because of their rejection of Jesus, the Messiah. What are you going to do with Jesus? Okay. 
I'll tell you one thing you can't do. You can't do what Pilate tries to do and get by. Pilate didn't get by. You cannot wash your hands of the whole affair. Say, I want nothing to do with it. You have seen people in movies who had committed murder go to the bathrooms and try to wash the blood off their hands and they would wash and wash and wash and although there was not a physical evidence of blood left they couldn't stop the washing and they washed and they washed and they washed trying to scrub away their guilt and it never went away we can wash our hands of Jesus all we want to do, but we'll continue scrubbing our hands because our guilt will never go away until we are washed in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Then our guilt is gone. Most of us this morning have already come to that fountain that flows with the blood of Christ. Most of us have knelt beneath the cross and allowed the blood to flow down from those wounds in his hands and in his feet and out of his side and cover us. It is the blood of Christ that makes one pure. It's the blood of Christ that will stop one from washing his hands. Because he is the only one that can make us clean in the sight of God. If you stand condemned this morning, as one of those Jews stood before Pilate, or as Pilate himself, you need not go out this morning the way you came in. You came in already condemned. You can go out completely cleansed, saved by the blood of the Christ who died on Calvary's cross. Will you do it? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.